0: Welcome to the Tiger for Life podcast, where we'll hear stories from Washingtonians from their favorite food at Waltz or the calf to their favorite Tiger Tunes shows and professors. We'll also find out what they've been up to outside the famed Washita bubble. I'm your host, John Merriman, Washtaw's director of alumni relations. Today on the Tiger for Life podcast is Ouachita graduate, Ramsey Joyner from the class of 2019. Ramsey shares about his company, Brilliant, where he helps companies and organizations with brand strategy and development his work volunteering in trauma centers with Ukrainian refugees in Poland, and his Washtenaw story, including the sign his family received in a Tennessee Walmart that confirmed Ramsey was meant to go to Washtenaw. To learn more about how you can help Ukrainian refugees, visit actsofmercy.com. And to connect with Ramsey about Poland or his brand development work, you can reach him at ransyjoiner at gmail.com. All right, Ramsey Joiner, welcome to the Tiger for Life podcast. Hey, thanks so much. Yeah, good to see your face again um, as one of our past work study students. It's good to <laughs> That's true, yeah. see you um, outside of the Washaw bubble out there living in the real world. So um, thanks for hopping on today. Excited to visit with you and uh, just, yeah, just to connect with you and, and visit again. Um, I know you're in Waco, Texas these days. Tell us about what you've been up to professionally since you've graduated from Washaw.
1: Yeah, so I moved to Waco in 2019. To do a disciple training, discipleships training school in Waco at my church. And whenever I moved here, you know, I was looking for work. At first, I, I worked at a tour company, and then I worked at a gym and then COVID hit. And the gyms were one of the first uh, sort of companies to, to stop business whenever COVID hit. And so um, you know, that came with a challenge of just finding a new job and stuff like that. And so I decided to start my own business. And so what I do is I do brand strategy. And what that means is I help companies. I work with the executive teams of organizations to solidify the identity of their business, their customers, and their position in their industry. And so we develop their brand And how to serve them in uh, effective ways. And we even develop a marketing plan. So um, I've been doing that for over a year and a half, and it's gone really well. So um, yeah, it's gone really well.
0: Very cool. Are these mostly like new companies, startups? Are they existing companies? What does that look like? Right now, yeah, it's mainly
1: been startups and smaller companies, but God's really... Seemed to bless my business. I, I've, I've been able to work with companies from all over the world. So, the most recent client I had was a tech startup in the Netherlands oh, wow. that creates softwares for mobile phones to help restrict big tech companies from getting their personal information. Wow. And so, um, it's been really cool. I, I just, whenever I started it, I reached out just to people who were close to me to raise money. And I kind of had my eye on some different um, processes that certain companies that do brand strategy who are really reputable, that they take their process and they just sell it to people. And so I raised money and bought those different products to build my specific process, along with some other things that I just learned from self-study and whenever I worked with people within the first few clients that I had, I actually had two clients cry (laughs) while working with me because they found that it was like so helpful. And whenever that happened, I was like, wow, well, I mean, that's really cool. Like not just because of the emotional response, but because like what I'm doing is actually people are finding helpful. And so I really enjoyed at the same time, and so it's it's been really great.
0: And so I've been doing that for for a year and a half. How do you see? I know you have like a you have a Christian studies degree, right, and a communications and media degree as well. Yes. So how do you yes. see those things working together in what you're doing now? Um, does your faith primarily stay on a church on the church kind of going side of things, or do you see that kind of working together with your your work there? As
1: far as my faith, primarily being in church, no, I would say I have prayerfully considered like really just asking God, like God, like how would Jesus run my business Hmm. if he was in my shoes? And so um, to to answer your question at the end of all, so I make these, these, uh, these documents that are like 50 pages for businesses that lay out all of their brand and their marketing strategy and all of those things and at the end I include um I just call it an addendum and I pray over every board member or every um person that I meet and I just ask like man like god what would you want to say to this person whether it's an encouragement or um something about their business or whatever and it's not stuff that's like God is saying that for the next five years, your business is going to explode. It's not stuff like that, but it's just like, hey, like I feel like that God says that uh, you're a really great friend or uh, he's going to be with you in this season and he wants to know you more or he wants to reveal himself in new ways to you. And so that's one thing that I've implemented, um, but I've also gotten the opportunity like at the end to even just like share the gospel and share different testimonies um, from just stuff that God has done in my life. And so, um, yeah, it's that's been really cool. And then as far as how communications and Christian studies has prepared me, I, I think that just the opportunity to speak a lot whenever I went through the communications department really readied me for speaking in general, not just in front of a group of people, but to potential clients or um, just people in general. I remember I took an interpersonal communication class and um, yeah, it was super helpful.
0: Yeah. I just wondered, I was curious about, you know, working in like corporate America world, you know, helping these companies and that um, because, you know, when you were a student here, it just seemed like, you were always kind of radiating Christ and all that you did. So it's neat to see how you can weave that into your mm-hmm. business there. Um, you know, if there are people out there listening today who want to get in touch about the brand strategy part and um, that part of your work there, how would somebody get in touch with you and kind of get started with that?
1: Yeah. Well, right now I'm, I'm meeting people and talking to people and seeing if what I do can help people. And so if people um, if that would be something that's that's helpful to people and people are interested, you can email me at ranzyjoiner at gmail.com.
0: All right. We'll add that in the show notes too. Um, are you doing, Do you do graphic design things too? Or do you have partners that do that if you're doing like logo stuff for brands? What does that look like? That's not the main portion
1: of what I do. Uh, a lot of what I do is on the strategic side of mm-hmm. positioning companies in their markets and stuff like that. But Whenever companies need a logo or they need um, design for right now, I'm doing that, but I have some, I have a few designers that um, I have that I'm looking to outsource in the future as soon as possible.
0: Yeah. That's a good thing. Yeah. Some of the the groups I've worked with, um, you know, my nonprofit job before I started at Washa, um, mm. it was, you know kind of working on logo and branding stuff too alongside. So I was curious about Mm. that as well. Okay. That's cool. Um, So I've heard that you have been involved with the ministry in Poland, and that's one reason I wanted to reach out today. Um, Was your church planning to go to Poland or what were you going with an organization? What has your involvement been um, in Poland as far as working with um, kind of some of the refugees from Ukraine? What does that look like?
1: So the organization that I went with is called Acts of Mercy, and Acts of Mercy is a nonprofit that was started by someone in my church, okay. and that organization directly partners with my church. Um, and basically, the the goal of it is is it's a humanitarian crisis relief organization, and so the the main goal is that in times of crisis to have believers who are on the front lines of whatever's going on and so we weren't we weren't planning to be in Poland or um, or in Ukraine before but once this happened it was a response mm-hmm. and so how I got involved is, We have two different teams. So there's actually another organization as well, uh, a nonprofit organization that was started by someone in my church called Unbound. They focus on human trafficking Mm -hmm. and um, counteracting that as much as they can. The organization that I went with is, is Acts of Mercy, and that is the crisis relief. And so that's who I went with. And when they were first starting to send people, to Poland. They invited me to come with their leadership team. And what we did is we were just there to understand the, the needs that people had there so that in the future, Acts of Mercy could send many, many teams to go and answer whatever people needed. And so that's how I found out about it. And that's who I went with.
0: So I guess you've uh, been a couple of times. So you kind of went on that first kind of exploratory trip to kind of plan, you know, how other teams would work. Um, what was it like going with a team and serving, you know, alongside folks as they were helping those refugees there?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's always interesting when someone asked me that uh, of just like, how was Poland? Because, yeah. <laughs> um, well, it's it's interesting meeting people that are in, such an extreme time of crisis and that are, I mean, they just need so much. It's like, you can imagine, you know, you live in a neighborhood somewhere and you have friends and you go to work and you have responsibilities and maybe you're a parent and you take care of your kids. And then all of a sudden, like there are bombs going off where you live. And, and so these people who are there, I mean, they've they've lost everything, and they're in a completely new place, and so I, I would say, um, my overall experience, I would say, there's such a mixture of emotions. I, 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 it's difficult to pick one word, but but maybe, maybe sobering, would be a good word, but, but because. At times, you know, I'm with families and I'm praying with them and, um, you know, they've asked for prayer and, um, a lot of people are really open to the gospel. So that's really cool. And, and there's also like a life that comes with that. Um, that's, that's really contrasting against their situation of like, they're just going through horrible, terrible, um, situations, but there's this vitality in this life that like is beyond understanding, like the Bible talks about. And so that is really cool. But, um, you know, there's still that immediate need and, um, you know, relational, um, physical need, emotionally, um, you know, the trauma and different things like that. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it was a very um, effective and meaningful trip I I guess I could I could say that.
0: <laughs> yeah. What are some of the services your team was able to provide um, you know, in those trauma centers?
1: Yes. So so the first time that I went and I was just kind of trying to figure out the needs, what we ended up doing mainly was at that time we were just kind of being with the kids. And, you know, there's a there's a law in Ukraine that if you're under 45 if you're between the ages of 18 and 45 and they go into war, you must stay in the, in Ukraine. And so because of that, it's really just mothers and children that are in these centers. And these centers are massive that there were six centers that were all right next to each other that I was serving at. And each one of them is a convention center. So, so they're absolutely massive and there are thousands of people there. And Basically, what I was doing is I was just asking moms like, hey, what are the main needs that people have? And other than that, the first time I went, we were just playing with kids and being masculine figures in their life because that's what they need. And so we were playing games with them. We were just talking to them about life. And um, we were doing some basic trauma exercises that have been statistically proven to help with trauma, um, for children. And so some of those were like breathing exercises and, um, just like different movements and stuff like that, that have been proven to, to create responses in your brain that help you to get trauma out and process that in a healthy way. Um, but I met all sorts of people. I mean, there was, uh, there were families that, or, or there was a guy that was in charge of the center and he actually was from Belarus and he was a youth pastor and it was just cool to, to meet the different people and make connections with the kids. And, um, yeah, so that's kind of what it looked
0: like the first time. Yeah. Who set up these centers to begin with? Was it? faith-based non-profit people or was it government? How did that, how did they get started? I know it had to happen just real quick, but how did those get started?
1: Yeah. So the centers were run by the Polish government. And, um, because of that, there were certain restrictions on what we were allowed to do. So they didn't want us to share the gospel directly or to, um, To, I guess, push our faith on people. Mm -hmm. And so, because of that, we were navigating kind of how can we honor the people who are allowing us to be here, but also um, affect people in the ways that Jesus would if he was here. And so, um, because of that, we were kind of in an interesting spot. But what's really cool is all the people who were in charge. The guy who was in charge of the centers, um, the guy who funded all of the rooms for the children, um, and then also a guy who was kind of coordinating with like multiple different centers, they're all believers. And even more specifically than that, they were all Protestant. And in Poland, most people are Catholic. And I think it's like, two and a half percent or something like that are Protestant. And so um, that was a really cool thing of just um, all of the, just how God has, has put people there so that all of the people who are making decisions that are at least under the government mm-hmm. are believers. And so um, what was cool is by the end, we were able to get it passed to be able to do, skits for the kids that are about the Bible and, um, about Jesus walking on water and, um, different things like that. And so, um, that was a really big, big thing. And eventually the kids were super excited to, to see those skits and, to um, they would like invite their friends and different stuff like that. So, um, and we also got it passed to be able to pray for people. Um, so, those are really big uh, moves that we weren't sure we're going to be able to happen.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, Emily and I have done a ton of work in Eastern Europe and, you know, Mm. proselytizing is a little bit of a scary thing for uh, some of those folks over there. So we've had to, you know, be really cautious over there as well as we share our faith individually with, with, you know, young people and with kids. So yeah, yeah, can definitely understand that, that from, from that side. Um, do you plan to go back to Poland? Do you have any immediate plans to go back? What's that look like?
1: I'm praying through that right now. I w- When I went, I was just so like, I just felt like, man, like I want to be here. And um, I love the culture. I love the people. And yeah, and so I'm, I'm praying through that. And I'm considering going back for a longer period of time, maybe nine months.
0: Oh wow! And
1: so um, the first two times I went were just um, one week each, mm-hmm. but I'm definitely thinking about it and praying through that because there's just so much need. So, yeah.
0: is there housing for volunteers over there, or is it like hotel kind of situation when you go over there?
1: Hmm. So, so no. So really, we all had our our own hotels. And, um, yeah, so that's all pretty much up to, up to the volunteers, but there are a lot of different organizations there who are helping. So, um, it was cool. Uh, when I got there, there was a group of Israelis that they were all specifically psychologists that were trained to work with children. And so there was a group of maybe four of them. Um, and then there was also a group from world vision.
0: Yeah. Yeah
1: that were like filming and stuff like that and i'm not sure exactly what they were up to but um i think probably they were they were creating videos to have people to either go or or to send money or something like that but as far as volunteers there's nowhere in the actual centers where volunteers can stay um and as far as the actual people i didn't mention this b- because they're displaced from their their original country all they have is literally just like some suitcases and a cot. Mm. And so when you walk in, it's just a huge room with maybe a thousand people and they're just cots lined up right next to each other. Mm. And so, um, because of that, you know, people don't really have any privacy and it's just kind of, that's where they are. And, um, and there were restrictions on like, you know, you're not allowed to take pictures in here and stuff like that. So, um, that's kind of the situation for the volunteers, but also the, the, the main people.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, are there things that, that those listening today out here can be praying about for Poland or, um, for the, the kids or families you've worked with?
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one family that I met, or, or or these two ladies who I met, one was a grandmother and one was a mother of this girl who was a policewoman in Ukraine. And the reason that I met them is because they were asking for prayer, and so the man who was in charge of the centers came and told me like, "Hey, these people want prayer," and so. I went and they told me that when the Russians, when the Russian troops invaded Ukraine, they particularly looked out for the police and also any Ukrainian troops that they could capture. And these people were asking for prayer because their daughter was captured and she was a policewoman. And they knew where she was, but they said that the Russian troops particularly have it out for police women or police people or like policemen and women mm-hmm. and the uh, special forces and the different Ukrainian troops. And so they wanted prayer because their daughter was being brainwashed and tortured uh, by Russian troops. And so, Yeah, you should pray for um, Natasha and um, her daughter and then also her brother-in-law or her son-in-law, sorry, who was in the special forces. And they said usually what they what they do with the police is they capture them and then they let them go after they're brainwashed. And it's kind of like you're not really getting the same person back and because of just what they put them through but with the with the special forces they don't let them go and so they probably they they feel like that the that the son-in-law is probably going to be killed and so um yeah just praying for for them and their family and then also i mean there's just so many kids that i met that um I was able to pray for, and that was really cool, but they just, they need immediate needs that their moms need jobs and their families need uh, financial help. And, um, yeah, I I was able to to share the gospel with one family and, uh, yeah, you could pray for Katya's family, uh, to know Jesus and, um, Yeah. Just pray for people in general to get jobs. They're in a new place and, um, you know, they've been through all this trauma and then they get to a new place and, you know, they have somewhere to stay, but it's really not that great. And then they're like, someone's like, Hey, like, you know, you, you can't stay here forever. Like you have to go find a job and, you know, start a new life. And it's just like, wow, that's, that's really not what you would hope for. (laughs) But, because of the natural limits of the situation that's kind of how it has to be and so
0: yeah, yeah. kind of indefinitely which is also stressful and they don't know what right. they have to come back to and right uh, um, are there ways that folks can get involved with either the organizations that you've been with or get involved in helping refugees over there in general
1: yeah the you can go to the organization that i went with uh their website it's called or it's acts of mercy.com And uh, there's information on there of how to get involved, whether that's donating, but also going. And I would really strongly recommend just like, just go and just see what God does. And I know that going to another country, I've been in the position where it's like, I don't even think of that as an option because it just kind of seems, seems intangible, but um Yeah, it's just I think that you will be glad that you went. And um I don't know, like if you've ever um yeah, I I think I I think of this image of like I feel like a lot of people like when they're kids, there's like some there's some point where they wake up and their parents get them up for church and they don't really want to go because they're tired and you're kind of like, oh man, I don't want to go. And your parents make you go anyway and at the end you're glad that you went and it seems at least for me it was like that was always true it was like even when i didn't even if i didn't want to go i was always glad and i really believe that that would be true of people considering helping out by going it's like that may not be something that you're planning for but if you go you'll be glad you did
0: yeah so com. yeah i think it's one of those instances too like you know as those who go on mission trips you you always consider the when helping hurts i think is one of the books that you know that i've read you go on some short term mission trips and you try to americanize people you know do all these things and it's not always the most helpful but it seems like in a sea full of refugees in this kind of situation as many people helping as possible Mm. is needed so i think that if anyone out there is just questioning whether you know going would be helpful i feel like as many people that can love on people as possible is probably a good a good option in this
1: absolutely yeah and and there have been millions and millions of ukrainians that have moved to poland and so the amount of need is so great um they some people think that there will be more Ukrainians in Poland than Polish people mm-hmm. eventually, yeah. and I think the the highest amount of like influx from Ukraine on one day it was like one hundred and forty six thousand people in one day that came to Poland, and so um that's absolutely true that there's so much need and and not only that but like the people there are so kind and just, um, yeah, I mean, they, they, they're real people and they need help.
0: Yeah. Talking to our son who we adopted from Moldova, you know, just talking about the number of refugees coming into a country, tapping resources of countries that don't have a ton anyway in that area. Mm. Um, I know it's just a lot for, for those over there. So any kind of help I'm sure is needed. Um, As far as Texans go, uh, I know you're in Waco. Mm. Uh, I know it's hard to find a church and get connected and especially to find a church that's passionate about helping, you Mm. know, others and going and serving and that kind of thing. Um, Tell us about your church and maybe it's something that those uh, washed off friends in that part of the country might be interested in looking at.
1: Yeah. I go to Antioch community church and kind of the overall vision of Antioch is a passion for Jesus and his purposes in the earth. And I really love my church because of that. And we have churches that we plant from our church. And so um, we have churches, I think around 50 in the United States and around 80 or something like that in other countries. And so my church is about 20 years old, and we've been spreading since we started. And um, yeah, it's just I've, I've really enjoyed it. And we're missional and focused on community and discipleship and, and things like that. So um, really great community here in Texas. But also, there's a really awesome Antioch Community Church in Little Rock, Arkansas. Oh, wow. So you can just look up. Antioch, Little Rock and, um, shout out to Antioch, Little Rock, super, super awesome people. And a lot of Washingtonians actually go there. So
0: good. Yeah. I was just uh, curious, you know, sometimes it's hard to get plugged in and, and find similar, Mm, similar like-minded folks. So that's good. Yes. Um, so as we typically do on the Tiger for life podcast, we'd love to hear some of your washtaw story and um obviously, you know, I was part of that story pretty early on as you were here as a freshman mm-hmm. working in the alumni office here, but um tell us about how you found Washaw and why you chose Washaw for school.
1: Yes. So my youth pastor, his name's Mark Smith, he went to Washaw and uh, he mentioned it to me. He was just like, "Randy, this is a great school and you should think about it." And I lived in Tennessee at the time. I was super far away. Um, and, you know, my parents had the the natural desire for me to stay close. But I've always been exploratory, I would say. And I just wanted to find the best school. And I wanted to find the, the school that I felt like that God wanted me to go to. And so my parents were having me tour all these schools that weren't washed off. And I was really just focused on like, yeah, but this is the one I'm interested in is washed off. I'd really like to tour it. They were like, man, you know, like, we don't know uh, how it's going to work out. And I was at my sister's house and I mentioned that I was interested in this one school, but it was super far away. And, you know, I didn't know if it was possible. And I went to sleep and maybe at 4am in the morning, my sister woke me up and she's like, Hey man, get up. I was like, What are you talking about? Like, what are you doing? And she's like, We're going to Washita. You have a a tour that's scheduled. And so my sister drove me like seven and a half hours to come to Washita. And I remember I was I was sleeping on the way and I woke up right in front of cone bottoms. And I just had the tour, and um I got offered scholarships that allowed me to come and yeah and and even at one point, so that's kind of how i i I came, but I remember at one point, um my parents were just like, "Look, we know you're like dead set, you seem pretty dead set on this school, but like you know it's a, it would be a lot financially, and we're not sure how you're gonna do that, how we're gonna do that and um, you know, what is it going to take for you to say no? <laughs> and I just said, like, I would have to know that God doesn't want me to. And I want to know if God wants me to. And whenever we were touring different schools, I, I wasn't, I didn't really like them. And I didn't feel like, I just didn't feel like God was leading me there. And I, was like, hey, like, why don't we pray like together? So my family's in the car. I'm like, why don't we pray for a sign if God wants me to go to Washita? And we were driving down the interstate, and all of a sudden my stomach started hurting. And we went to Walmart. When my when me and my mom went in, there was this random lady in the checkout line next to us that my mom recognized from college, like 20 years prior. <laughs> and when she called her name. She turned around and she had a Washita shirt on.
0: That's crazy.
1: And at this point, we were like like seven hours away in like Tennessee. And so we're super far away from Washita. I just told my family, why don't we pray and ask for a sign? And then my mom sees this lady, she hasn't seen in forever, and she has a Washita shirt on. And like I was pretty already dead set on Washita. And my parents were like, kind of like not loving that Yeah. And this lady had a Washita shirt on. And so my parents just kind of stopped challenging the
0: issue. We're talking about that much after that. Love that. Um, I think we talked a little bit about this touched on it, but how do you feel like Washington prepared you for, you know, life after college and for kind of your career that you're doing now?
1: Yeah. I, I would say the biggest thing is just speaking and being able to articulate myself whenever I went through the communications department, I just had a lot of time to um, speak and to think about um, communication and how to articulate myself. And I am a really strong believer in just the power of that and how important that is to be able to think and to speak clearly. And so when I've met new clients, when I've talk to people while I've started my business, that's been huge for me. It's like how you talk to people, especially when you're first meeting them is super important. And so um, I would say that, but also I was involved in the international club at Washita. And I I don't know what the percentage is now, but when I went to Washita, it was around 30% international, if I remember right. And just so many of my friends are from all over the world. And so not only do I have friendships, uh, that are important to me and connections from all over the world. But that also just gave me a view of what the rest of the world is like and from interacting with them and just seeing, um, kind of their personality, but also from hearing about their lives and hearing about how their countries back home are. And so, um, just kind of getting a view of the world and then communication, um, I would say are the big two things.
0: I love that. Um you know we have this little segment on the po- podcast these um, fast five faves just some of your favorite things about wash all your time here. Uh do mm. you have a favorite favorite spot on campus, favorite place uh,
1: favorite on, campus? on campus. I really like the um I forgot what it's called. It's like where the flags are. I really like that area. Um I like it when people are just kind of like chilling out there and having conversation and um just hanging out i also of course love the student center and i feel like you know if you want to hang out with your with your friends and your buddies then you could probably find them there so i would say that's that's my top two
0: love it Um did you have a favorite thing to eat in the calf any favorite foods
1: Mm, (laughs) in the calf let's see
0: or were you a chick-fil-a guy oh
1: i was big chick-fil-a guy big big chick-fil-a guy yeah um if it has to, if it has to be the calf, I would say, um, I think I remember. I could be remembering wrong, but I think I remember hash browns. Mm-hmm. I think they were like pretty good. Um, but other than that, yeah, I would say Chick Fil A. I, I wore Chick Fil A out while I was in college, and I look back at my time at On,
0: I'm like, man, if only I had a meal card like back then. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, same. Chick Fil A came while Emily and I were students, and I—I I mean, I don't think I left Chick Fil A for the you know whole first semester. It was here. Okay, yeah. Had a lot of nuggets in my time over there. Yeah.
1: I was even—I was—I was asking people like if they weren't going to use theirs,
0: I'd be like, "Hey, man, if you're not going to use yours, I'll—I'll I'll, <laughs> I'll use the Chick
1: Fil A." So yeah,
0: yeah. Those last couple weeks of school, when everybody's just giving out their old their leftover chick money, is a good time to be around. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Um, do you have a favorite thing to do in Arkadelphia? Did you leave campus much or spend time at the lake? Anything you love to do around hmm. Arkadelphia?
1: Yeah, I was going to say two things come to mind. One is the Gray Lake. Love the Gray. Um, and uh, also there's, there was this burger place and it shut down. I can't remember the name of it, but it was kind of out in that direction And it had some of like the best cheeseburgers I've ever had in my life. And maybe some people know what I'm talking about. I can't remember the name, but it was just absolutely delicious. And it was kind of out in the country. Like I think out in that direction, but yeah, I would say like, those are my, my two uh, favorite places.
0: Nice. Favorite professor during your time here.
1: Mm, That's very difficult. Um ones that come to mind. I will I, I will choose one. Um <laughs> ones that come to mind are Dr. Pemberton, uh Dr. Borland, um, Dr. Nicolation. Yeah. Um it's difficult to pick from them, but I will say, uh, since I have left Washita, there have been a few times that Dr. Nicolation has come to mind. And to be honest, like I had him for Hebrew and that chat, that class was really challenging for me. It was super tough. Um, so it definitely wasn't like, you know, super easy, but despite that, just how, just kind of who Dr. Nicolation is. I I've, I, I don't think I've ever really met someone like him. Like he's, he's very, hardworking and and really serious about what he does. And he really believes in it. But at the same time, he's like very, very humble Hmm. and like, isn't proud. And he's very, very open to just like talk about different viewpoints on different issues and like things that are surrounding the Bible or just life. And I really, really admire that. And I feel like that Anytime I talked to him about just like different things, he was like, he showed a genuine interest and like, yeah, he's just a very genuine person. So yeah, the, the Dr. Nicolation, I think, I think comes to mind among others.
0: That's awesome. Um, this isn't necessarily Washedaw related per se, but uh, do you have a favorite verse of scripture? You know, some people have like a life verse or a favorite verse, any verse of scripture that you particularly cling to?
1: Yeah. Yeah, um, one that sticks out to me is Hebrews 4.13. It says that there's nothing that's in all creation that is hidden from God's sight, but everything is laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we give an account. Hmm. And on one side, it's like, you know, that could be taken as like a kind of an intense verse, but, but, but I take it as like, no matter where you are or what you're doing there's nothing that's in all creation that is hidden from him like god sees you and he loves you and that's not just like a positive idea and something that i feel like that god has highlighted to me is like a lot of times we we think of god as being as looking at us from this perspective of like google maps Like he's like really super far away and he's like looming above us. But from that, it's like, and and just the rest of scripture, it's like, God, God is close to us. And, um, I think that he sees us because he's beside us. Mm -hmm. And when we're in the store or we're at school or at work or whatever. So that's been a, a verse that has been meaningful to me.
0: Um, anything else you'd like to share with those kind of listening today? Anything else that we didn't touch on? Mm.
1: Yeah, I would just share what what I feel like that God has taught me, which is think about the things that are taking up your time and or or at least that you think about the most and consider and pray through like are those things oriented? toward or in service to god and like am i really focused on him and if he was in my shoes what would my what would his life be like and um yeah i would say that um but then i would also say consider what it would be like to go to Poland or to support people um the Ukrainian refugees um so yeah i think those two things
0: that's good good thoughts uh Ramsey, thanks for joining us today thanks for giving us a little insight of what it's like on the ground you know in in Poland with those refugees sometimes it's you know we s- see it in the news cycle it falls out of the news cycle it's hard to mm-hmm. really know what we can do for um, those struggling in in uh, the war situation over there. So, thanks yes. for giving, giving us a glimpse into that, and just thanks for the way that you're living out your mission and your calling for God there in Waco, and just open to what He has for you, and potentially serving longer in Poland. So, um, we're praying for you, praying for your your life, your ministry there, and uh, just thankful to to talk to you today. So, thanks for hopping on.
1: Well, I definitely appreciate it a lot, and uh, have a big heart for Washita and believe that God has a big heart for Washita. So appreciate you thinking to invite me.
0: All right. Awesome. We'll talk soon. Thanks, Randy. All right. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Tiger for Life podcast. Be sure to rate and subscribe so you won't miss out on future episodes.